With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, Southside Sox podcast. It's the mothership. It's 122. Had a little different sort of podcast just a few days ago. The host of that podcast, I called it the Pirate Podcast because it sort of was, you know, I didn't get to be involved because I'm frankly, you know what I did? I thought this is going to be a drag. Every podcast, we're talking about how crappy this team is. It's, you know, it's a, it's a sad part venting anger management session, uh, part therapy, et cetera. And I thought, you know, at, at this juncture, what's, what's there to say? It's it's getting too tedious. And you know what, Crystal and the crew, Joe was there. Uh, what, what that crew did actually was pretty refreshing. Crystal had a great agenda. It wasn't just let's complain or moan or draw blood. There was plenty of that. It's a White Sox podcast, of course. Uh, but that was really well done. I don't think I would have been able to have that sort of variety um, show of topics. So uh, well done, uh, Crystal and Joe for hopping on there. Of course, Indianapolis always core, always core to the podcast, let's face it. And again, I could very well be taking up uh, Kaylee's uh, new cubicle space in Indianapolis. We might all right now be speaking from Indianapolis because this is just an indie only podcast. And sometimes, you know, listen, sometimes those are the best ones. Uh, White Sox are 77, 79, 500 is in doubt, but we'll get to that. Uh, joining me from Indianapolis or at least the Indianapolis field office. It is Crystal O'Keefe, uh, mothership. Uh, pirate podcast host. Awesome. Well done. Uh, and super Joseph Reeses, who is still, uh, at least in his head, he's still solving Sox math each time out because we know he's watching every inning. He cannot get enough of the Chicago White Sox team. He told me himself. Um, well, thanks for joining me. Uh, we see we have a huge turnout, massive turnout, um, definitely in um, 
contrast to how it's been rolling with the Mothership podcast. And I don't blame folks for having a little White Sox fatigue. So thanks for sticking it out with me, both of you. Uh, I'm curious about a particular play that happened in the victory (laughs) here today as we're recording uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Is it Thursday night? I think it's Thursday night. Whatever. Uh, The one, the White Sox pulled out a win. Go figure. They actually um, detanked themselves for one game, lost a series versus Minnesota. A team actually is choked worse than the White Sox uh, in the stretch run this year. But now, boy, they are neck and neck. Uh, White Sox pulled one out today, and that was fueled a bit by uh, Mark Payton. Let's face it, he was basically the guy in this game. Uh, and as much as you can say, oh, well, of course, he's coming from AAA. He wants to prove he can belong in the majors. Of course, he's going to hustle. Of course, he's going to like star in games that don't mean anything. Well, he's played all year. He starred in Charlotte. He has been basically the guy in Charlotte. So it's not like he came in in July and he's got a whole bunch of extra energy uh, or he's playing for some sort of $5 million contract next year. Uh, he had a hustle play in the eighth inning. He had a long, long at bat. So he fought in the at bat, which we don't always see from the Chicago White Sox regulars, uh, popped up easy out. We have White Sox players, again, not to sound too grumpy about it, but we have players in the major leagues, including in the White Sox, who have balls hit to the wall and they're not busting out of the box. And not to get into that, not to get into the whole hobby bias thing, but uh, listen, on a pop-up, nobody does it. It's just rare. And Peyton did that. He was on second base when the ball was dropped because again, the twins are actually worse than the White Sox. Go figure. Um, I'm curious, first of all, let's start it out somewhat light. Is there another player on the White Sox roster right now who would have been on second base on that play? I want to say it would be Luis Robert, but even he's been kind of slow lately. He's not really, I mean, he's also always injured, but he's not really hustling. And you know, and Luis could say, the manager told me not to run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not that he should listen, but uh, yeah, good point. No, Luis, I don't think, no, I don't think Luis that- would have been on second base. That or Danny Mendick, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> On one leg, he would have tried damn hard to get to second base. I think it, it would have been him. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Joe, who are we missing? Yeah, um, I think maybe Elvis Andrews makes it to second on that. Um, uh, he hasn't been infected by the whole um, <laughs> mindset of, of of don't hustle. Uh, he's, he hasn't been here for that long, so I don't know. I feel like he could he could do it. Um, I feel like he he he's been hustling, and you know, obviously lately, like the past few days, he's been in the slump. But yeah, he's still been a pleasure to watch, and you know, and he's been one of the few, you know kind of past his prime pickups that I've been happy with, you know, that the White Sox have made. Um, Harrison also has made a couple of major hustle plays, you know, on the defensive end as well. So I could see him hustling out, um, you know, a a cheap double um, as as well. So um, yeah, I I could see any of those players um, uh, potentially doing that, but not, not a super long list. Yeah. And not to be cynical about it, but listen, those two guys are in a position where Boston at the end of the season could play a role. Uh, you know, Andres is, Andres is a guy who's, you know, has, has no place next year. You know, he's indicating he, he'd fill in a play second base for the White Sox and Josh Aaron says, Hey, hold on. I want them to pick up my option until I can play second base next year for the White Sox. But it seems like, you know, the likelihood of maybe one of those two 
perhaps coming back, um, or at least at this point playing for a position next year. Cause you know, Josh Harris was in the process of not exactly flushing out of the league, but you know, he's, his, his time is coming. Uh, and even now Elvis at this point, you know, he's certainly on the, um, you know, the downslope of the career. So it would make sense for those guys to do it. Doesn't mean that they are going to do it. And let's trickle that into um, a, a related topic. And that is, it's been easy. It's really easy to lay blame for the performance of this team on management. And that can extend all the way up to Jerry Reinsdorf and certainly general manager uh, Rick Hahn. And then whatever role in between the two, Ken Williams is playing uh, to Chris Getz in the system and even strange things like Project Birmingham. Uh, and of course, Tony La Russa. Uh, and you could certainly say that Tony La Russa is the primary reason why this team has taken a step back, whether the stats balance it out, whether managers matter, uh, you know, he is just a, he's a flashpoint, of course, but to just say it's the management and it's not the guys on the field is, you know, obviously that's uh, incorrect. And so I'm curious to know what the two of you think about just what the origins of this season is. We now see how it's playing out a team that is going to have to struggle. They're going to have to win four out of six to get to 500, just to 500. Forget playoffs, forget, but we all assumed even just a couple, three weeks ago, just talking, you know, every time at the end of these pockets is like, okay, you know, Hey, speed round, how are the White Sox going to do when are, when are they going to get back in the first place or whatever. Okay. Even recently, as recent as what, maybe a week, 10 days ago, the assumption was still at the very least, the White Sox were playing pretty much to the end of the season. Maybe they end up eliminated. I think it was a, a Jordan who'd said, oh yeah, they're going to end up, you know, making a big run and they'll, they'll finish one game out or whatever. Uh, but that's not happening here. This has been um, just a monumental failure of the season. You can't even just point to injuries and say, oh, the training staff all needs to be fired. They may, but that's not just it either. Uh, what sort of things, what do you think the genesis of what happened on the field? And, you know, connects to even sort of maybe this lack of hustle, lack, lack of desire. I hate to call that out. That Again, that sounds like a grumpy take, but we're seeing it. It was shocking to see what Mark Payton did today. Uh, what's some of the genesis of, of just what's happened with this team this year on the field? Well, as someone who went to school for psychology, I do think the PTSD from injuries is, is very real. I know Jake Berger is one to yeah. talk about that yeah. a lot. Um, and Austin Meadows recently came out and talked about his mental health and how just constantly being injured or being sick really affected him this season to the point where he's not playing anymore this season. So I really do think that that is a big chunk of it. And when you've got, you know, Luis Robert that now might require like some kind of surgery or something on that wrist yet he was still out there playing and batting with one hand. I think that's just this big struggle of not hustling, not wanting to re-injured, not wanting to be out for the rest of the season. And I, I just, I really think that that impacted them the most because those injuries were insane this year and last year. Um, and then just guys not recovering fully from COVID but yeah, I think it's, I think it's some serious PTSD happening in that dugout from yeah. constantly being injured. That's a great point. And now, now we're going to, we're going to cover that further as this pod goes on. See, it's malleable. There's a list here. There's a list here that, man, this is a serious host right here. 
serious host. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're going to get back to that. But Joe, uh, you know, other thoughts about, you know, what could have played into this, um, you know, maybe beyond the obvious management type of stuff. I, there are a lot of bones to pick with um, the, the front office, I think. Um, leave it, leaving some holes uh, sort of unpatched, um, you know, yeah, obviously can't blame the front office for, um, you know, the injuries or, you know, PTSD of, of, um, uh, of previous injuries and therefore, you know, playing super cautiously. Um, obviously that was, you know, an issue, um, especially with the way that the guardians played and really, um, you know, outperformed their potential compared to the White Sox, but yeah, outfield defense was a big issue. Um, Issues hitting right-handed pitching was an issue. Um, like I, AJ Pollock, you know, while I could understand um, the, the mindset behind acquiring Pollock, and I understand that there weren't a whole lot of options for um, getting for getting something in return for an expensive Craig Kimbrell. Um, yeah, that that acquisition really didn't help that issue, and I and even though it was intended to to at least address the issue of failing to hit right-handed pitching. Um, so, oh, and of course, yeah, the, the bullpen <laughs> outside of, you know, really Hendricks and Lopez, not, not a ton of relievers that you could really feel confident about, you know, if they were entering the game and it was, and they were protecting a one run later, they were tied. Yeah. The, uh, the 150 or so, I'm trying to look it up now, the 150 or so innings of Carlos Renan. I wonder if they could have, I wonder if they could have helped this year more than AJ Pollock did. Uh, before we circle back to injuries, because I want to uh, touch on that a little bit more. Um, what do you think the issue is with this team? And clearly last year, as much as everyone was in an uproar, aside from the most, <laughs> the most grizzled or I don't know, fill in your probably pejorative adjective, uh, whatever, whichever one you want for those who were pro Tony La Russa and the hiring, because there were those people. Uh, and there probably even some people said, hey, well, okay, well, let's see what happens. Maybe they weren't just up in arms. I know most of us were. I think I can speak probably for the three of us to say that we were. Uh, and we've always been against having him in the manager's seat. Um, the team won 93 games last year. The team went to the playoffs last year. The team managed to overcome Tony La Russa. If you listen to some of the players, I think Giolito's been one, certainly Tim Anderson. Apparently there's a peds in a pod. Um, again, that can all be getting rounded up, but you don't round it up from no relationship or disdainful relationship into, oh yeah, man, the guy's awesome. Love Tony, love playing for him. So uh, this year that hasn't necessarily changed, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. And I'm sure this is stuff we've touched on in past podcasts, but I'm, I'm curious to know as the season's winding down and the team's looking like it's lucky to be 500, um, whether or not there is a wear and tear, again, not to get too much into the mentality of it, but uh, you know, wear and tear on playing for a manager who you may be vaguely connecting with, but clearly he's, he's, he's not, you know, he's not of your generation. He's not of your time. He makes it very clear. He is separate from you. You know, of course the famous comment about, you know, I think Lance Lynn had a locker and he's got an office, whatever, whoever it was, I don't know, maybe it's Keuchel, I, somebody he was angry at somebody. He's angry at somebody all the time. Um, but whether or not there's just some wear and tear uh, when it comes to just the constant criticism 
and the constant mistakes. These are mistakes, even last year, somehow the White Sox overcame them last year. This year they didn't. Mistakes that were costing uh, runs, maybe sometimes games, uh, that, that everybody realized a one and two intentional walk is being talked about everywhere. White Sox players can't ignore that. Now, whether that affects the performance, that's what I'm curious about. Uh, is, there, is there a wearing down of the players just saying that maybe they can't even necessarily believe in the guy that is supposed to play? Or do, what, do major league players just tune out the manager and it really doesn't matter? We just use this to, to, to eat up minutes on podcasts. I almost wonder if last year he just kind of had the benefit of the doubt for just being back in that space. And then (laughs) this year they're like, Oh wait, no, he's still here. He's still here. He's (laughs) not, he's not doing anything right. He still doesn't know these rules. He's still costing us games because at the end of the day, he did cost them a ton of games. Um, So I think it was just like trying to overcome it the first year and then Mm. it didn't get any better. And then, you know, his health started to decline too. And I think he's just slipping in his old age. And, and the other thing, like there was, I feel like there was always a barrier between players that don't even speak English. Like that's not their first language. So I think it was just really detrimental to everyone this year on the White Sox that he wasn't getting any better. In fact, he might've been worse this year. Yeah, Joe, what do you think um, about the connection? You know, is there something different this year? Yeah, kind of hard to quantify this one. But yeah, I do think that the few quotes that we received um, a a few weeks ago um, when Cairo took over as interim manager, (laughs) I I think they were pretty – that that was about as close as, um, you know, the players really could have come to – you know, ratting out Larusa without actually saying his name, especially um, Liam Hendricks had a couple of quotes, um, and um, where he was saying like, you know, I, I um, we no longer feel like we have to be like some old timey right. baseball player or something old-timey. right along those lines. Old timey, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, yeah, it's pretty. It doesn't take a genius to, to really <laughs> figure out like what he was meaning by that. Um, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that, yeah, like I gotta say in, in the past, I, I gotta say, like, I, I used to think that the you know, managers, you know, I, I kind of thought that like the managerial role in for a major league baseball team was kind of overrated, but yeah, I gotta say Tony really tested that yeah. for me this year. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, while, Last year, they were kind of able to work around it. It kind of felt like they were like 2021 to me, at least. It seemed like yeah, it was their, that was their shot. They had an excellent regular season, great start to the, yeah. great start to the season. Like they looked uh, borderline unstoppable in the uh, first two and a half months or so of, of the season. Um, but yeah, they were just kind of flat, you know, as that regular season wound to, it came to a close and, uh, and even into this season where they never really clicked for a long period of time. 
yeah, and people pointed out, listen, this this isn't just this year. Uh, second half of last year, the White Sox weren't good. Uh, I know I brought it up, and I think uh, others have brought it up on these podcasts pretty much all year, and certainly as we've come to the end of the season, is we can't count on the White Sox finishing strong. This has been three years, even going back to Ricky Renneria in 2020, where the team has blown out a tire at the very end uh, when the when a finishing kick was needed. They didn't have it, of course, we didn't get to the point of a finishing uh, kick this year. Uh, another thing I think to point out about t- Tony is – I can think of maybe one game this year where it came up maybe in the, the six pack poll or in one of our stories and one of our pieces of coverage where there was, or maybe even just in, in discussion uh, amongst us on staff where Tony was applauded for something he did. It might've been how he brought in how he uses relievers, how he brought in relievers, or maybe it was a pinch hitting uh, insertion. Um, over two years, you can't really name. I don't think. Anything he's done, anything he's brought for being this innovator, and we made fun of it from the beginning. He's a Hall of Famer baseball person. He invented the closer, what he invented the internet, whatever. You know, I, okay, yeah, big deal. And Tony, he's in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I don't think there's a thing, even given what we assumed he might do right, I don't think there's anything we can point to and say, okay, this is what he knows how to do, whether it's, you know, delegating or he's, he's really tightened up the infield defense somehow. They're, you know, they're, they're wearing the uniforms differently. I can't think of a single thing that he brings that we could easily say, well, he's not doing good here. Here's the one thing we know, you know, he's still doing very well. Certainly not like lineup construction. Uh, he didn't cleverly use Kopech this year. He didn't space him out in a way that maybe could stretch him all year. Uh, there's just not even little things that might not even matter. We can't even say, well, what, he kept Tim Anderson in the leadoff spot. I mean, who, who, you know, who doesn't do that? So that's something that, uh, you know, that stands out to me. It's, it's easy to point out the failures and we can say, well, anybody, you know, Ricky wouldn't have done any better with that. But w- what good did he bring? Ricky could say, listen, the guys loved him. Maybe too much. Maybe that's why he's fired. Uh, okay. All right. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll finish out a way. We'll figure out a way to finish out this podcast. There's a couple of things I want to bring up. And who knows? There'll be other things like injuries, which we're going to talk about when we come back from our break. Hang with us for a minute. We need you to stick with us. There's a second half that's very important for you to listen to. And it will begin in one minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. White Sox fans, Brett Baltini seizing back the controls of the Mothership podcast. It is number 122, I think. I don't know. Maybe it's 12. I don't know. I think Crystal got the number wrong last time. So, so bug her about it. Uh, 122, Mothership Podcast. We are talking about the White Sox, and we are talking with the Indianapolis field office of Southside Sox. It is Crystal O'Keefe and Super Joseph Reeses. Uh, something Crystal brought up in the first half of the podcast, uh, talking about the impact of injuries and to the degree almost of PS, uh, PTSD about injuries. And certainly that's an issue, guys who could be injured once. And certainly chronically, you know, there's fear and it's brought up to everybody. It's always a question 
uh, a reporter might ask saying, okay, you know, how'd it feel? How'd you get back into, when did you know you were back? You know, with a pitcher, it's when could you really let loose for that first time after your um, Tommy John surgery? Uh, the White Sox now have this combination of, you know, and it always is, it's the physical with injuries. And of course it is the mental that Crystal's acknowledging, but now we've got guys who we might very legitimately say are, you know, injury prone players, which is, you know, which is a, a terrible thing to hang on a player. But the truth is, if you can't play a hundred games, if you can't play, uh, you know, 150 games, you're not a regular, if you can't play a hundred, you're injury prone. And the White Sox have a number of those guys at this point. And now even guys like say Lance Lynn, who are just workhorses and, and hosses, and they take the ball and they go their seven innings and they just muscle through it. Even when they have a, a bad first inning, well, okay. He pitched half the season, you know, he's, he's, he's getting up there in age, had injury could happen again next year. Uh, this team could fire their, <laughs> they could fire all their training staff. They could start incredibly different, you know, methods. They'll tell Lucas, you know, don't, don't bulk up, you know, willy nilly in the off season, you know, that could, uh, you know, affect your, your pitching in 2023. Uh, but I mean, what we've seen is what we've seen. We've had different trainers. Some of these guys go back even to Herm. Uh, and now we're seeing guys like Luis Robert, uh, Tim Anderson, stretching back really legitimately to Herm. Uh, who's who's had struggled with injuries, hamstrings, and so forth. Um, what is the future of this team in terms of guys who we can rely on to play? On, you know, one of the guys that gets 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 criticized the most for like not caring, Yamankata, actually does end up <laughs> traditionally he's played a, a little bit more of season. Some of these other guys we're talking about. Uh, how, how do we see an end to this? It's not simply getting another trainer or other training methods. Where in 2023 it's going to be different. Uh, are we going to be forced? Whether this team's better, whether there's a different manager or not, uh, are we going to be forced to struggle uh, watching a team where we're lucky to see guys playing 100 games again next year? I think it's always just going to be that way until, I mean, I don't know. They they clearly didn't properly use the injury list this year. <laughs> I mean, like, it's there for a reason. Like, if, if a player is hurt, put them there. Um and you know we had guys that were on were out for multiple times this year. Joe Kelly, Michael Kopech, Luis Robert, Yuan Mankata. I mean, you can just name like half the players on this mm-hmm. team. So until they can properly use that and quit making players play injured, and just I don't know. I mean, what can you do? Give them vitamin C and like <laughs> muscle milk and just hope for the best, but. I don't think anything's going to change because Jerry doesn't give a shit at the end of the day. Well, it's dereliction of duty too. When you talk about Han not being able to use, I assume he is the one making the call. I assume him and Tony, right. I made the call on injured list. The idea that you can't even use that correctly. I mean, yes, we nitpick like we nitpick the uh, lineup or whatever. Sure. We can nitpick. Oh, you should have been on uh, the IL um, Thursday, not Friday. No, that's not what this is. We're talking about like weeks. Or you know, we're talking about days, certainly. Uh, lost opportunity. White Sox seemingly not needing a full roster for every game. Come on, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that that contributes to losses. Uh, Joe, your thoughts on um, injuries and where this team goes and whether we are really going to, whether this is sort of the, you know, the, the, the normal season for the White Sox that we're just going to have to embrace. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot changing unless there are major um um, changes that go on within the organization, which is unlikely. Um, yeah, there is really no reason to trust Rakan at this point, um, which yeah, for someone who believed in him so much at the, um, at the front end of the, the rebuilds, you know, 20, 
17, uh, you know, you know, that year I was very much in on Rickon and his plan, but yeah, I, I, there's, there's no reason to trust his judgments. Um, and even if he's not the only one making the judgment, then well, because sometimes in these organizations, it's difficult to really pinpoint who is making the decisions at the end of the day. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't, regardless, I, it's tough to see anything being significantly dis- different next year. Um, besides, I don't know, maybe it truly was just a ton of bad luck that they've been facing with regards to injuries recently which I don't think that's the case, um, but I don't know. I'd love to be wrong about that, but um, yeah, I, I think 2023 will be, be another year where there are kind of just a lot of you know, plan A options um, um, on the bench a, a lot of the time. Joe, I got to admit on that last podcast, hearing you admit that your faith in Rick Hahn was gone. I mean, I shed a tiny tear. It just broke my heart. If you lose, listen, Rick Hahn, if you lose Joe Reese's, you've lost the White Sox fan base. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. I'm sorry, Rick. Uh, it might be time to go choose the dignified route. Okay. Speaking of Rick Hahn, um, he was uh, asked about, as he should be, asked about Tony LaRusse's future on uh, that interview sitting in the dugout. Of course, they're going to seize, uh, reporters are going to seize on that immediately as soon as possible. And certainly once the news came out that uh, it, it's still no guarantee he's not going to, I, I believe the statement said, Doctors have recommended Tony doesn't manage for the rest of the 2022 season. He didn't say, I don't think he said, the White Sox statement did not say he will not manage. Everybody ran with that. And of course, he's very unlikely to manage for the rest of the season. But Tony does what he wants. So he might be in the dugout in San Diego, for God's sake. Uh, It's close close to Arizona. It's close to his 18,000 square foot mansion in uh, Arizona. So uh, of course, came up, um, you know, is he coming back? What's the decision going to be? And of course, Rick Hahn, is, as you'd imagine, you know, he, he hems and haws on it and, and he punts it because, of course, the season is over, uh, et cetera. And, you know, there's a, there, then I think it was Bob Ning. I don't know who it was, whoever, you know, it came up the information about there, you know, there's discord in the front office about whether he should be back or not, which is a ludicrous on its face that there would be any discourse or any discord uh, and no discourse. It should already, the discussion be done. Uh, that he's not coming back. Uh, so that's sort of like a charming little thing for us to, you know, get to talk about all off season or at least until the decision's made, although they 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 shot Ricky out of a can right after the season. So who knows? Uh, but you know, let's it comes up every, you know, I sort of buried it here at the end of the podcast because we're talking about Tony and his future and who the next manager will be and all that, you know, pretty much every podcast and certainly uh, Crystal and crew covered it well last podcast. But uh, what sort of fire or smoke, you know, do we see in this? Uh, is there, is it a done deal that Tony's not coming back? Uh, what are your, what are your reads on the White Sox statement that he's not coming back health wise, Rick Hahn sort of hemming and hawing and then this sort of like, you know, unnamed sources, which I, boy, I love reading that stuff. Unnamed sources talking about like, wow, there's, there's a big, there's a fist fight going on in the front office about whether or not Tony should stick around. I don't know who is fighting on behalf of Tony because I'm guessing t- Jerry does not think he has to put gloves on. Uh, thoughts on just sort of, you know, that immediately, not the next manager, but just what's the situation with LaRusso? I mean, Tony's not getting any younger at all. He wasn't when he came here. Yeah. Like (laughs) if he's in bad health and they don't think he should manage the rest of the season, do do you really think he needs to sit through another 160 games next season? Because that 
is stress. I get stressed just watching <laughs> games. Well, that's his fault, but yeah. I <laughs> yeah, your point. I mean, it is mostly his fault, <laughs> but I don't see a reason why he needs to be back. He needs to just finally retire and go be with all of his cats and die peacefully in Arizona. Yeah. He just doesn't need to be in Chicago anymore. Well, the Hall of Fame ring for sure. Joe, what's your uh, take on the uh, smoke signals coming from the front office? Uh, I I really think, you know, with that whole deep divide, I think was the, the phrasing. I, I really just think it's Jerry versus the the rest of the, the staff on this one. I, I It's hard for me to imagine at this point, anyone really being in favor of LaRusso staying. And, and I, I think he is gone. But okay, and then let me follow up there, and, I, and I'll ask you, Joe, first then. Okay, there had to be a deep divide two years ago when he was hired, right? I can't fathom. Even Ken Williams, I can't imagine being going, well, well let's see what happens. Now, I mean, were, again, were they going to fight their were they going to fight their boss over it? No, and they're not going to now. I can't imagine that that deep divide is any different from two years ago. So do you think, you know, something has changed where maybe just somehow it's just drifted a little bit further away from LaRusso? Or is this the same divide you, we had when the surprise announcement was made yeah that, that's a that's a fair point um I, I think with now just Larusa having more medical issues than he had a couple years ago that's a large difference and I, I don't think it's realistic for like Jerry to bribe like whatever uh, uh, med- medical people you know the the doctors who are <laughs> advising Larusa and be like Hey, you want this money that's not going to Manny Machado? Here, it could be yours. Um, so yeah, um, I think I think some of this is just out of Jerry's hands because of that, and you know, I, I just don't think any amount of money could could really, regardless of how much Jerry wants him to still be managing the team, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Hey, doctor, remember when I bribed you to lower my blood pressure artificially so I could get all that extra life insurance? I got another request for you. Uh, Chris, do you think anything has, has really changed from when the hire was? I mean, because realistically, it, it's conceivable, I suppose, that Rick or, or, or Ken allow themselves maybe to be talked into a little bit of this. I can't really imagine it, but maybe enough to go along with it. Do you think there is any drifting here, or is it the same divide that, that there was a couple of years ago? I, I think it's the same. I mean, Rick hated that hire you could tell he hated that hire um and i think he's just built up enough ammo against tony especially now that nothing is going to happen this year and they sucked so much this year um so yeah i think rick has finally just had it and had enough people finally on his side and maybe like lance lynn was like hey get this old asshole out of here. Like we're tired of smelling his diapers in the dugout. So. He would say that. I know. He would put it it that way. Yeah. Like Lance just lit a fire, but no, Rick's always been pissed. So I think it was just, this was finally like the nail that he needed for Tony to just go, go away. Not that it would have been a better choice in my estimation, but hey, the social media team didn't like it either because they put the they put that thing out with AJ Hintz's uh, uh, autograph. So you know there was a lot of fight even way back then, and you know there's got to even be more fight. And now there is a perfect, plausible, legitimate, seriously legitimate excuse. No matter how much we say we hate Tony, we say, come on, you know, medical's medical, and nobody wants a guy to die. I mean, come on, for crying out loud! And you know, he may think you know he's fine. Well, then he's going to have to do a lot of convincing and. <laughs> Although I guess a bribe to doctor is a bribe to doctor. 
Okay, but my grandpa thought he was fine, but we still had to take his license away. So that happens. That happens. And you know, t- and, and Tony took <laughs> Tony took care of that part for us before he even arrived. Ah, the topics about Tony. So what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about in future podcasts if Tony's not around? Oh, I would welcome that challenge. Uh, okay, uh, Crystal and Joe, uh, speed round to end this up. And if maybe it's an easy one or you're free to expound, we have six games left. Three challenging ones in San Diego, who, as far as I know, still fighting to decide whether they want to play L.A. or the Mets. I'm not even sure if that's what the numbers are, but I think there's still something for them to play for. They're in the playoffs, but uh, I think think they are. I don't know. I don't pay attention. I just pay attention to the White Sox. That's enough. Man, that is a heavy enough burden. Uh, but, you know, not easy. They're playing San Diego. The team blows out a tire every year. They've clearly blown out all four tires. So I don't even know what the point of them showing up is going to be. Guess we'll find out. And then the Pride Series <laughs> season back in Chicago and Minnesota, where revenge will be had and the White Sox might take two of three. Well, they do have to win four of six to finish even 500. So I need to know in the speed round, will the White Sox finish 500? And then, you know, if you want to be bold, give me that final record. They are going to sweep the Padres just because, okay. because it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Um, and then they're going to get swept again by the twins, <laughs> not finish 500. That's completely just, plausible. Just, just a small percentage <laughs> under 500. Uh, yeah. Close as you can get without uh, getting there. So uh, Crystal is saying 80 and 82, I believe that would be. Uh, Joe Rhesus, what is your call? I'm guessing it will not be as colorful a route to uh, 1882, if that's your choice. I'm going to predict that they lose two out of three in both of the upcoming series. And they'll finish 79 and 83. And that'll be an entire game better than they did in 2016. When their farm system was about as they they were pretty much had the same farm system yeah. ranking in 2016 as they had this year, uh, that mired in mediocrity season, and it'll be great. Yeah, I don't see them four of six. I don't see them getting to 500. Um, yeah, I think I'm with. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm an 80 and 82 guy here at this point i don't see them doing well in san diego even though i love the idea that they're going to sweep because like why not and then san diego they're very they seem very flaky so i it would be just like them to decide to punt a series that they figured was a was a gimme because whites believe me the white Sox are old because they have punted series all season that they thought were gimmies all the way back to fresh prince standing in that room all alone hey thanks lenny gore welcome back nice piece that was a lot of fun and who knows maybe we'll get the second and third segments of that uh that mockumentary uh, coming up into the off season it was great to welcome him back with a fun piece which is his hallmark uh okay well um we may be talking again before the season's out or maybe i won't be maybe just a podcast will kick up out of the dust who knows we'll probably have a south side Sox podcast before the end of the season if only to chuckle about that crazy sweep in san diego or shed tears of laughter over the fact that they lost all six or man if it plays out the way crystal just predicted that is definitely alone worthy of a podcast i need revenge on san diego because that whole stupid machado thing when that was happening i made mr okay this beautiful white Sox birthday cake Mm -hmm. and instead of putting like and many more i put in manny more because i was like he's coming we're gonna manifest and then he didn't and i'm still pissed so i need revenge yeah on that cake yeah yeah mentally or emotionally that cake of course not nutritionally because i'm sure it was beyond delicious uh certainly cake. emotionally uh sent him to the hospital poor guy 
and he's, I mean, listen, he's like halfway in the mats and he, I mean, he's looking at the White Sox and just laughing. So he says, boy, my poor wife, she's really, she's got a bad man. Oh man. I feel so bad for her in 2022. Well, feel bad for all of us, listeners, readers, viewers, because, well, we're all suffering together and we'll suffer further. I'm sure we'll see you again in just a matter of a a few days, or some of us will see you again in a matter of a few days, but hey, stick with us. Thanks for uh, reading and listening and and all that stuff, because otherwise we're not here. Although, boy, think about it. Maybe us not being here wouldn't be the worst thing. All right, catch you. We'll have another one (laughs) sooner or later. On behalf of the Indianapolis Field Office.